times in the Bible someone has prayed the prayer, God, break me? What's the answer? What's that? Zero? Are you sure? One time? Okay, the answer is correct. Like zero. La. <laughs> so, zero times. No one has prayed throughout the course of the Bible narrative, throughout the 66 books of, that make up the Bible, no one has actually asked God, hey God, can you, can you break me? And, and, and it's also, that begs the question, right? Why do we have this sermon here today, Dangerous Prayer, Break Me? Because if you look at the series that we have been doing, last week, Shiming preached on Search Me. And, and definitely there's been examples of people praying, Search Me. We, uh, Psalm 139 uh, joined us this to go back and, and reflect on it. I hope you, you did. But clearly, someone has prayed this prayer, Search Me. And, and, and two weeks from now, we are going to be having uh, a sermon on, on Send Me. And for that also, we, we have examples in the Bible. I, Isaiah 6, 8, uh, Isaiah tells God, Here I am God, send me. But for break me, we, don't, we really don't have anyone that comes out and says, hey, Lord, will you please break me? And, and if you think about it instinctively, that, that it is a pr- pretty strange prayer to pray. Because well, you see, why would anyone ask to be broken? As far as I know, broken is a word that is almost never associated with something good. Uh, it is often associated with pain, suffering. It is often associated with the inability to function properly. So like when your laptop or your handphone, it breaks down, it is completely useless and, and you get very irritated. And, and, and nobody wants to become a broken person, you know? Like if, if you go on the street and someone, someone said, hey, you're broken, they're not going to be like, oh, that's so sweet, thank you, you know? It's like, no one ever said that, hey, my life dream is to be broken. And, and when you think about it like that, this really does seem to be a strange prayer to pray. It seems to be a very strange thing to be looking at. Um, and, and you can understand why someone might say, hey, no way, I, I don't, God, I don't want you to break me, just leave me alone. But you see, brokenness is one of those things that, which has a very... The Christian perspective of it is, I think, very different from the perspective that the world offers us. The perspective that we can sometimes we are used to, we are brought up with, we hear our friends talk about it. And, and what I want to do today is I want to take a look, because I think it's important if we are going to respond in prayer to understand what really is Christian brokenness about. And, and that's what um, I want to look at today. And what I'm going to suggest to you is this. Christian brokenness is the submission of self to the supremacy of God. And it might seem like a lot of big words, but we'll go through it. And hopefully as we go through it, there's something, I I really pray and I hope today that God will do something that will help you, will do something in your life, that will help you break something in your life. Okay? So, Christian brokenness is the submission of self to the supremacy of God. And, and what, what do we mean by this? Well, let me, let, let's break it down, no pun intended, into two parts. Okay? Um, the, first, the first is submission of self. Now, 
at the heart of Christian brokenness is submission. And, and again, I, I think I just want to un, un, address like a certain perspective that people normally have. You see, people normally think that brokenness is something that the world or life throws at us. It is, it's really when, the, when, the, when, when life throws you something chalat, then, then you cannot take it anymore and you become broken. That, that is our perspective of, of brokenness. And, and to an extent, it's true. There's often pain and suffering and, and, and persecution, all these things associated with brokenness. But, but I think there's another side to brokenness, and especially when we take it from the Christian perspective. And this is something very important that I want us to understand, and that is that Christian brokenness is about responding in submission. It is about a response. It is not just about external circumstances. It is about a response. And because it is a response, it is also a choice. It is about choosing something. It is about choosing to submit to God. And, and you might be thinking, and I'm like, like having a lot of these things here, and like, well, what's the point? That I, why, why is it important for for us to understand that, yes, there are external circumstances and there's a response and a choice. The reason why I think it's important is this. Most often, you cannot control the external circumstances, but you can control your response and choice. And I want us to understand that brokenness is choosing to submit to God. So there is a choice involved here, and it's something that we are actively involved in. And, and you might think that, I mean, even though I say it's a choice, um, they're, they're, of course, the, the circumstances are important, as we know, because sometimes God uses circumstances to teach us things and stuff like that. But why do I say it's a choice? It's because if you look throughout history, there, or you look at people, there are a lot of people who have been through a lot of suffering, or God has thrown them a lot of like warning signs, telling them, hey, look, you need to wake up. And they don't respond in submission. Rather, they, they respond by hardening their hearts. They respond by relying on their own strength. And, and the Bible is full of, or rather not full of, but there are, there are examples of this in the Bible. And one of them is, is Pharaoh. And you know, Pharaoh, he was the Egyptian king when Moses, you know Moses, you watch the movie, all those. So in Exodus 5.1, Moses went up to Pharaoh and he said, Pharaoh, God says, let my people go um, so that they may feast in the wilderness. And Pharaoh replies, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? So you can already see this guy, he, he has no respect for God. He, he has definitely not submitted to God and he just doesn't care. And so in chapter 7, in Exodus chapter 7, we all know that Moses, God tells Moses to go and show him a sign. And, and what happens is, is Moses and Aaron go to before Pharaoh, and Aaron throws down his staff, and, and it turns into a serpent. But yet, even though he sees this miraculous sign, Pharaoh still just doesn't repent. He, he calls his magicians, he calls them down, and they also throw down staffs, and they all turn into serpents, except that Aaron's serpent ate everything else up. And yeah, and again, you think, okay, finally maybe Pharaoh gets the answer, but he de- uh, gets the Gets, the, gets an idea, but he doesn't. And he just refuses. And so, God has to send ten plagues. And we know the story. Ten plagues. And I mean, this is like really, really bad plagues. It starts off with, okay, let, you go through it. 
it starts off with the whole of the river Nile turning into blood. There's no, 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 there's no fish to eat. There's no water to drink. Pharaoh doesn't repent. The Bible says he hardens his heart. It turns off with a plague of frogs. So like, imagine the whole city is invest, infested with frogs and Pharaoh still hardens his heart. And, and then there's a plague of gnats, which is like some sort of insect. There's a plague of flies. All the livestock is killed. And, and everyone there is having a skin disease. All the crops are destroyed. There's locusts. And there's complete darkness. And can you imagine living in those type of circumstances where there's no food, there's no water, it's completely dark, you're having a skin disease, and it's just like that. And yet, Pharaoh refuses to repent. And so, you can see, it is, Pharaoh is just, he's just adamant. He, he, no matter what you throw at him, he will not submit to God. And you might think that, hey, but wait, I know the story. It ends with Pharaoh letting all the Israelites go, right? So didn't he submit to God? But yeah, so the last plague which God, God sends on Egypt is the death of the firstborn. And every family that day had one child, the firstborn, die. Can you imagine, like, it's like, like you just imagine going to a funeral and, and like, everyone's very sad, right? But this is like the whole city. And finally, Pharaoh seems to relent and he lets Moses take his people and go. But what does he do after that? Suddenly, how, when, Mo, when Moses is left with the people, he thinks, oh my gosh, I made a big mistake. Why did I do this? And he chases after them with his chariots, with his army, and, and tries to catch up with them. And, and we know that Moses splits the sea, Pharaoh goes inside, and, and the waters fall down, and, and he, he, he sort of perishes. But I think the point I want to make with this story really is, is, is what's up there. It's, it is not just about external circumstances. It is a choice, it is a response that we need to have. And the question is, are we going to choose or respond to, to submit to God? Now, I, I had an early experience, one of my early experiences in learning about brokenness and submission was uh, sometime in JC. Uh, I became a Christian in secondary school. And so that was less than two years around that time when I went to JC. And you might not know, but last time, the JC admission process was a bit different. Um, we had this thing which we call the first three months. Uh, how it works is this. In January, you go and join a JC, and that is based on your prelims course. Do you, do you still have prelims? Okay, yeah. So, so like, yeah, it's based on your prelims course. And, um, and after the three months, in March, you get your O-level results. And based on your O-level results, they will decide where you're going to, which JC you're going to go to for the next, like, rest of your JC life. Okay? So, while most people end up staying in the same JC, it's possible that you go to one JC for the first three months, and then you move to another JC after March. And, and so, for me, for the first three months, I really enjoyed my, the, the JC I was in. I, I made a lot of friends. I, I loved my class. It was very fun. And then I got my O-level results. And I won't say my O-level results were bad, but they weren't great. And they, in fact, they were, they were quite borderline to stay in the JC that I was already in. So, so I, it made me very anxious. 
made me very anxious because like I didn't know, you know, like this, am I going to stay? Am I not going to stay? And, and I would go to my friends and we will just keep talking about it until the point I think my friends probably got irritated with me. You know, you always have those like, annoying friends that you just want to slap in the face. Yeah, I was like one of those guys, I think. And, and yeah, so I was very worried about it. And, and, that, and, and I, I put in an uh, application to stay in the JC. And then a few weeks later, the results came out. And I got posted to another JC. So like, I was anxious before that. And I was like pretty devastated. But there was still a possibility that I could appeal to the JC. So I put in an appeal because really my, my results were really just borderline. So like people with my same score, some of them had got in and some of them like me didn't. So I said, okay, okay, let me put in this appeal. But like if I was anxious before, while waiting for the results of the app appeal, I was like pretty, like I was like really going crazy. La. And, and, and we... We know from Chiming Sermon, I mean, what, what did he say? What we fear most reveals where we trust God the least. And I was really afraid. I was really afraid. But again, I went to my friends. I mean, we all had good friends, having fun, right? But I think this time, like, I mean, if I was annoying then again, now I was like even worse. Because everyone had sort of got over this whole, like, which JC am I going to thing. Everyone had moved on. And here I was still going on about it. And I wasn't even the worst off. There was a guy in my class who really just, he didn't even have a chance because his results didn't let him stay. So like, I was really be, being quite selfish. And, and I think they all just gave up. Like, they, they told me to just like, leave them alone. And so, so, so I had no choice. I, I was like, ah, I'm very sad. Blah, blah, blah. And then like, so what to do? Okay, so I'm a two-year-old Christian. Okay, and then I try and do the Christian thing, right? Which is you go and pray. So I started praying to God. And and what happened? I, at first, nothing. It, I mean, the, 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 the whole thing is a few weeks process. And, and you go in prayer, and I, the first few days I prayed, there was nothing. And, but then slowly, God started asking me, do you believe? Do you, do you have faith? And, and, and at first, you, you don't know what to say. Because like, you know you're struggling with God. You say, yeah, God, I, I, I have faith. I, I believe. But then, at the same time, you just continue to be anxious and, and worried. And, and then, but slowly, slowly, and I remember, I think it was just, so, so I think the, the appeal results came out on Monday, and it was on Friday that I was praying, and then I just decided, you know what, God, I'm just going to leave everything to you. I'm, I think you're bigger than this. Uh, the result is completely in your hand, and, and, and that's it. And as I said, amen, right? And I distinctly remember this. As I said, amen, I opened my eyes, I just felt a whole weight, a whole burden just lift off my shoulders. Lift off me like physically, it felt like, I felt like, and, and I felt like, whatever, I have no worries in the world sort of feeling. And, and, and that, that was the, the idea of submission. So I faced this great anxiety and I decided to submit to God. And it was a great lesson for me early on in my faith about faith and submission and, and trusting God. And so the question that I, ha I have is, yeah, so some brokenness. Some people might say that when I was, when I was, when I got bad results and, and I was going crazy and annoying everyone, I was a broken person. To an extent, that's true. But I think the Christian perspective is the brokenness only came with the submission. 
it comes with a submission. Because when I was running around trying to look like to my friends for comfort and what, I was still like trying to solve this problem on my own. But when I submitted it to God, that's when I found what I was looking for. So the question really is, I mean, we face a lot of sufferings and, and it can be great sufferings. Some of you might have, I mean, I, I don't know, you might face the death of a loved one, you, can, you might face an illness and great sorrow, great big calamities. Or it can be even smaller things, you know, just like stresses in life and missions to places, whether you're on a, a certain school team or not, hurtful things that people say to you. And I guess the question is really, what is your response to these things? Is it going to be one where, of submission, where you trust God with it? Or is it, is it going to be one where, where you rely on your own self and your own abilities and your own ideas of what is right and wrong? To, to, to overcome it. And, and I mean, I'm going to give one more example on this point. And this, this is, I guess, sort of the big theological one. And because there's no better example of Christian brokenness or Christian submission than Jesus on the cross. Now, if you look at like Mark 14, uh, 32 to 42, you see Jesus going to Gethsemane to pray, and he goes there and uh, the night before he's betrayed. And the, and the Bible says that he's distressed. It says that, he, he himself says that my soul is very sorrowful even to death. In Luke's account, it says that his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. And why was he so troubled? Well, the reason he was troubled is because that night he knew what was coming ahead. He knew that he was going to be betrayed. He knew that he was going to die on the cross. And we might think that the death on the cross was, he was very afraid because of how bad it is to die on a cross because you're hung there, you're, you're whipped and, 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 and whatnot. But the real thing that I think you must understand and, and to, to sort, of, sort of have an idea of Jesus' pain is not really the physical pain. Because, I mean, yeah, dying on a cross is bad, but I mean, like, Peter also died on a cross and he was hung upside down and, and things like that. And, and this was not the worst part of it. The worst part for Jesus was the agony of being separated or, or being forsaken for a brief moment from the Father. Because we know when Jesus hung on the cross, he cried out to God, My Father, my Father, why have you forsaken me? And to understand what this means to Jesus, right? You must understand that Jesus, he, he had experienced communion with God, fellowship with God for all eternity. He, he knew God and, and he experienced the love of God and the goodness of God and everything that God has to offer for all eternity. And suddenly, for that brief moment, he's going to be without it. I mean, for me, like, I've experienced the goodness of a 4G network and if you take my handphone away from me for one day, I would, I would go crazy. But imagine that you have experienced the goodness of God who is definitely way better than any 4G network uh, for the whole of eternity. And then you're going to tell you, you're going to take that away. That, that is the type of agony that Jesus was dealing with when he went into Gethsemane when he was praying. And when we look at his prayer, this is really the prayer of submission. I think this is the example 
to, to, to follow. Um, you, it's interesting because you don't hear him saying, like, oh, God, break me or anything like that. In fact, he says the exact opposite. He tells, he, he prays to God, remove this cup from me. That's Mark 14, 36. And, and, and what is this cup? The, the, what, I mean, I'm not going to go into it, but the cup is really the cup of God's wrath. He says, God, can, can you not like, can you spare me from your wrath? Can, can, you, can you just not forsake me? That, that's really what he was concerned with. But even though he asked, and the very next line, you can see, yet not my will, but your will be done. So Jesus goes before God, and he struggles with God, and, he, and, and he's in this wrestling with God where like, he knows what he wants, he wants to be spared from this. He doesn't want um, the, the, to, to be forsaken by the Father. But at the end of the day, in spite of all the suffering that is going to come to him, he submits to God, your will be done. And, and, and that's the choice. He chooses to submit. He responds to God who has, who, who, when he's facing these sufferings to, to submit to him. And, and, and this is really what I mean by saying that, that, we, that brokenness is submission to self. It's really that picture of Jesus in Gethsemane that I would hope that you can go back and read and, and try and understand. Because when you are faced with such agony, what is your response? What is the choice you make? And if your choice is to submit to God, then, then you have an understanding of brokenness. And I encourage us, I mean, when we talk about this prayer of of dangerous prayers and break me and what. And th- this is really what I want us to, to have the situation where, like Jesus, we are able to go to God in prayer and take the things in our lives and what, whatever they may be and fears, anxieties, and just go before God and ask Him, Lord, I submit this to you. What, do you, what your will be done? And it's not easy, but, but I think we can see a common thread and, th- and that's why I think this idea of prayer comes in. The common thread is, I mean, if you look at what Jesus did in Gethsemane, you look at my own story, it starts with prayer. No one, I don't think if like you're, you're having certain issues in your life and you're just walking down the road and, and you just say, okay, I'm going to submit to God then and there and there's going to be a great shift in your life. Uh, you're suddenly going to break and, and, and your, your attitude is going to change. It all starts in prayer. It starts in a prayer closet. It starts when you go before God with the issues that you're facing and, 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 and giving it to Him and, and asking about it and wrestling with Him about it. And some of us have already started doing this. I mean, there's a lot of overlap between what I'm saying here today and I think what you might have heard uh, from Chi Ming. When, when you ask God to search you, there's a lot of, a, a lot of that. And, and, and it's that wrestling and it starts with that. Um, and if you have been doing that, then good. But what... We really, what I really want to encourage you to do is to understand that brokenness is a choice and that today to go and really and, and to understand that it's about submitting to God. Now, that's, that's that part of what I have to say which really does seem a bit incomplete in a way, right? So, but that is, is in essence actually what brokenness, Christian brokenness is about. It's about submission and if I was to leave it there as that, I wouldn't be saying anything, I don't think I'll be saying anything wrong. Because that is really what it is. Submission, obedience, 
to God. But, but I want to go a bit further, and I want to talk about the second part of, of that lineup. There's uh, submission of self to the supremacy of God. And, and you might notice that I, I didn't say that it's submission of self to God. I said it is submission of self, uh, submission of self to the supremacy of God. And the reason I did this is I want to sort of get us to, to start thinking about the nature of God here, the nature of who we are submitting to. You see, when we talk about submission, uh, many people throughout time, but particularly today, they don't like the idea of submission. Um, they don't like submitting to authorities. They don't like submitting to parents. They don't like submitting to their bosses. And they don't like submitting to God. Because to most people, submission is about a loss of freedom. It's about a loss of control. You know what I'm saying? When you submit to someone, you, you turn over your freedom, you turn over your control to them. That's what people think. And some people take that with God because they think that, look, if I'm going to submit part of my life to God, well, God is a party pooper. My life is going to be boring. My life is going to be dull. And no, I, I have no intention. I want to be free. And it's something we hear a lot more today, I feel. This idea that, that there's freedom we want freedom, we don't want God. And, and some of you might be able to relate with what I'm saying. But I want to re- I want, what I want to say to that firstly is this, and that is that everyone submits to something or everyone serves something. And There's this really old song. Uh, it's really, really old, but it goes that, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed. You've got to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you have to serve somebody. And, and that song sort of encapsulates what Romans 6, 7 is saying, or at least part of what it's saying, because it says, look, you who are once slaves to sin have become obedient, and having been free from sin, you have become slaves to righteousness. The idea is that everyone serves someone or something. You're either serving sin or, or summoning the sin or you're serving righteousness. And, and I know that this might seem a bit dry and theoretical, but I can tell you it is real. And the reason I feel it is real, I believe it is real, is because I've faced it before. Now, when I I, I, you know, I already told you I accepted Christ back when I was in secondary school. And around NS was when I started serving in church. Uh, when I started, and around the time, and also when I was in university. But uh, early on in university. But when I went on in university, I started sort of getting involved in the wrong crowd. Uh, I started to begin partying. Uh, I started drinking a lot, uh, smoking getting involved in the wrong relationships. I mean, there were many times when like, my friends had to send me home because like, I just basically drunk too much and, and I couldn't go back myself. There was once when like, I fell asleep 
near a nightclub, and I woke up the next day, my pockets were slashed, my phone and uh, wallet were gone, and like, I, I don't know what was going on. My grades after that started slipping, and, and these were really some of the spiritually the darkest days of my life. Now, definitely, I think during that period, you could say in some ways I was free from the church, I was free from God, I was doing what I want, and I had my freedom. But really, it did not feel like you are free. Because every time this happened, I would be like, what the, what the heck is going on here? What is going on? This is terrible. And, and, and yeah, I was not submitting to God, but I was submitting to something else. And, and I realized soon that what I was submitting to was the desire for, for human endorsement or, or for, for my friends to, to think I was cool, you know? So, so I got involved in these things. I, I got involved in the... I wanted people to think I was cool. And, and it was... And luckily for me, or, or, or fortunately or whatever, I mean, what I learned from that is actually I learned a lot about grace. Because during that time, somehow... Somewhere people talked to me and, and I sort of got to my senses and, and it really felt like I was not holding on to God, but God somehow was holding on to me. I, I don't know if anyone of you have felt that before, but, but, but that, that's what I felt like. And somehow I got through that. And, and what I realized was this. I was talking to a friend who, who's an unbeliever and, and we somehow started talking about faith. And, and, I, and I told her, like, what, she asked me why I believe. And I mean, I could give you all the like like the theological answers for that, right? But what I told her is that, look, I've tried God, and unfortunately, I've also tried being away from God. And honestly, my life was so much more in order and so much more, made so much more sense when I was with God in the center, taking control when I was free from Him. So if someone tells me that they're really, you know, submitting to God is, is sacrificing freedom, I would say that's nonsense. Because you cannot, you everyone serves something. And the question is, who do you want to serve? Do you want to serve God or do you want to serve the devil, sin, or, or what else it may be? Because, you see, everything's said and done, right? God is really the better way. Submission is progression. God is good. And that's, that's where I'm going back to this idea that I want you to think about the nature of God. God is good. I mean, the Bible says that he, he has plans to prosper you. The Bible says that all good things comes from Him. The Bible says that while the devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy, God gives life. And, and what... And what this really is about is, I don't think that my time during those years were, were good, but I don't think they were not used by God for a purpose. Because in that brokenness, when I realized just how low I was, I mean, I think before, before I went into university, before I mixed with the wrong crowd, I, I felt that spiritually I was a very arrogant person. I used to think I knew what was best. But that showed me a lot about hey, you're not as big as you think you are. And, and I learned about grace. And I learned about, about a bit about humility and, and, and things like that. And, and God used it. 
he used that brokenness to build me up. And that, that, is, that is the next thing I want to say. You see, to, what God does with brokenness is He takes it and He uses it to build people up. In fact, sometimes to build something up, it needs to break down first. And a good example of this is Peter in the Bible. So, when you look at the Bible, Peter was a very bullheaded and impulsive individual. Uh, he's what I would call like, he was like really all talk and, and no action. Uh, I'm not sure whether you're familiar with the phrase action bedek. He, he's, he's that type of guy. Uh, bedek means like, um, it, it, basically action bedek means like fake action. Uh. So, so, so yeah, he, what he would do is he would like, he sees Jesus walking on water and he's like, okay, I just want to walk on water. And he gets on water and then, oh, okay, wait, I've no, uh, I, I, I'm not sure. And then he just falls and he gets wet. And, or, or when like Jesus says stuff, before he can even like think through what he's saying, he'll just shoot out an answer and he'll rebuke Jesus. Or he'll say like, you have to like, oh Jesus, why don't we build like tents over here, which on hindsight is a, so he'll say foolish stuff. And, and perhaps the biggest instance of, of Peter's sort of uh, arrogance and, and foolishness getting the better of him is in Matthew 26, when, when Jesus tells the disciples and he prepares them and he says, look, um, we, I'm going to be struck down and all of you will be scattered. And what's Peter's response? Peter says, hey, I will never fall away. Jesus, everyone else might desert you, but I will never desert you. And Jesus could just leave it there. He could just have, okay, this guy is just talking big again and forget about it. But he wanted to deal with Peter. So what did he do? He said, Simon Peter, before the rooster crows uh, tomorrow, you will deny me three times. And true enough, later that night when Jesus was captured and, and led before the council, Peter follows him. And, and just random people just come, about, come around and say, hey, you knew Jesus. And he's like, no way, no way, I don't know him. And three times that happened. Until the third time when he said, I don't know who it is, um, go away from me. Jesus just turned and looked at him. And immediately, Peter broke down. He, he broke down crying and he just ran out. And, and, and we know that this brokenness had a severe impact on Peter because later on in the Bible, Jesus comes back and when he comes back, he, he, he starts, he, he reaches out to Peter. He appears before Peter and he starts ministering to him. He starts um, restoring him. And he, just as Peter denied Jesus three times, Jesus asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? And each time Peter will say something like, yes, Lord, you know I love you. But when you look at the Greek version of it, of the, what, what he's asking, each time Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter would only respond saying, Jesus, or rather the first two times he'd ask that, and Peter would respond saying, Jesus, you know I feel you. And you, so if, just to give you the context, in the Greek language, there are three words for love. So the first word is eros, which sort of means the romantic love that, that, that a guy and a girl have. Then there's filio, which is a brotherly love. And that's the thing that Peter responded with. But Jesus, what Jesus was really asking Peter was, do you agape me? And agape 
is mean, it's a higher form of love. It is a sacrificial love. And, and Jesus was asking Peter, Peter, do you, would you sacrifice yourself for me? But you see, Peter, the old Peter would have said, of course, Jesus, I would. But Peter has realized that, hey, you know, I'm not as big as I thought I was. And, and, what, and, and he, he can say, you know, Jesus, I can filial you. And we see he has learned this lesson. But using that, Jesus restores Peter. And Peter goes on to do amazing things. He preaches on Pentecost. He preaches before the council. And this time, he's not just using empty words. People actually get saved. People actually get converted. And he goes on to, to lead the church. He writes epistles. And, and he's a very different man. But all that could only come about because Jesus first broke him down to build him up. And just as it is with Peter, I think it is with us. You see, now, if you look at what I'm, I'm trying to say here is this, that really God asks for us, for a sense of brokenness, He asks us to submit to Him because He is a better way. And the only way that we can reach out to be a better way is for ourselves to be broken down first. Uh, in, 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 in the business world or whatever you have it, there's this concept called the J-curve, uh, which you might or might not know. And it's a, it goes something like this. It is when you're trying to learn something new, you will first see a decline in your performance before you see an increase. And what does that mean? So like, say for example, I play basketball and I want to improve my three-point shot. Now, so I go and learn a new technique. I watch Steph Curry. I go and see what he's doing, and I go and learn this new technique. But will I immediately see an improve in performance when I try this new technique? Well, no. In fact, I will see a decrease in performance because I've never shot like Steph Curry before. I'm completely not used to this type of thing. And, and it takes me time to relearn it. It takes me time to, to understand it. But the idea is that once you do, you will see things happen. So in this J-curve is the idea, again, that I was saying that to, to build up, you need to break down. And it's sort of like that in Christian life, except the curve, I think, looks more like this, where if you really want to see more of God in your life, there needs to be... And Jodie is very happy. I don't know why. I think she's like... Uh, yeah, okay, it's not. Okay, sorry, guys. It's a, I don't know what it is. What is it? Right, right, right. Yeah, but the idea is there that, what's the idea? It's inversely proportional, right? Is that correct? Yes. So if you want to see more of God, you need to see less of yourself. And this whole thing is captured in one verse in the Bible, and that is, in John 3.30, which John the Baptist says, he must become greater and I must become less. And that, to me, is the entire idea of brokenness. That, that verse just captures everything that I was saying because 
it really sums everything up. You see, um, and maybe I can get like the musicians to come up right now. Um, brokenness and this verse really is what the Christian life is all about. Uh, it is about being. It is about us becoming less and God becoming more. That is why we turn to Christ. It is about obeying Him and submitting to Him. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I know I said that like it's a response and it's a choice, but there will definitely be suffering. There will definitely be pain. There will be, definitely be struggles as you... And there will definitely be difficulty as you, uh, as you commit to God and as you submit to God to be broken. But it is a progression as we put away the old ways, as we put away our old self, and we, we have faith that there's something new, that there's something better, uh, and that God will give us something, and we know that that, that is what we, we, we look forward to. And, and that is what I invite you to do when you, when you pray to, to, to submit these things to God. Now, Yeah, that is what I hope that you will do when you submit these things to God. And, and, and it, I'm just going to ask us now to like bow our heads and to close our eyes. I have no idea um, what you're going through. Um, whether you are facing struggles which you just feel like, like I did when, when, when I was struggling with my results, that no one understands me. Or maybe you, you, you have been praying to God and asking God to search you and, and there's something that He has revealed that in your life, you think that no way, God, am I going to give this over to you because this is something I treasure dearly and I want to have control over it. I'm just going to give you some time to reflect on that. And, and just think about it. Because if that is you, today I, I believe, what, whatever I've said aside, it, it, God wants to speak to you and God wants to meet you today. And, and, and He wants to ask you, will you give that to me? Will you turn that over to me? Will you, like Jesus, obey me and submit this to me? So why don't we all stand and I'll, and I'll close in prayer. Um, yeah. Father, we just thank you today that, that we have this series called Dangerous Prayers. And Lord, we, we know that there's a lot more times that we need to come before you and just speak to you, God, and, and, and talk to you about the things in our life, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that, that today, as your word is spoken and, 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 and as we come before you, Lord, you just keep revealing to us the things in our life that you're asking us 
to submit to you? Do you want to break down? And it could be, it could be certain sins. It could be certain fears, anxieties. It could be certain preoccupations with certain things. But God, you just, just want to reach out and, and work in us, Lord. Because, Lord, you know that, that really, at the end of the day, we want more of you. And if we do, Lord, we know that we must become lesser because you have, you, that is, you, 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 you must become greater and we must become lesser. So right now, I'm just going to invite you all. For those of you who feel that there's something in your life, even as you look to God, that, that, you, that you feel God is asking you to submit to Him. It could be, like I said, certain, a situation you're in. Or it could be something that you've been struggling with God for a long time. It could be something that you've been struggling with God for a long time. Or maybe you have been just resisting God all this while. And no matter what God has been saying, you have been, God, no, I want to be in control. Let me tell you today that there is a better way and that God has a plan for you. So, if that is you, if there is something that you want to submit, I just invite you to come to the altar right now and, and we'll have someone pray with you.
um, like what John Hunt said, there's, there's nobody in the Bible who actually prayed, break me. But I think the principle is this, that, that really we submit ourselves. And any allowed, Jen, I can tell you that that's the key. That it really is key to, to surrender self to the supremacy of God. To surrender self and say, God, I, I choose your way and, and not my own way. I, I, you know, I, I may have opinions. Um, I may feel certain things. I may want to do things a certain way. But God, I, I surrender myself to you because you are in control. You are good. You are omniscient. You know everything. And because you are my king, you are my Lord. And, and, and really when we become a Christian, that's actually what we choose to say. God, I, I choose you instead of me. I, I give up my right to my own desires and, and, and wants and, and opinions and feelings and, and I surrender to you. And, and I believe that if we constantly pray this prayer, that we surrender ourselves and we choose God, that that's how He begins to first break us and then grow us and mold us and shape us. So let's pray. And, and, and again, as, as, we, as we go into um, the week ahead, I want to encourage you to, to really focus on, on the verse that, that John Hunt was talking about, that, that he must become greater and I must become less. That he must increase and I must decrease. Really, God, we, we choose to follow you. We choose you above ourselves. And you're actually, that's, that's what I'm trying to teach my my, my three-year-old, uh, Janelle, she, she, she tells me she wants to become a Christian and I try and tell her that, that, you know, when we say we follow Jesus, it means we choose Him, not what we want, but, but what He wants. You know, like, I want to just, I don't know, hit my sister or something and I want to take that last cookie or whatever. But, but I choose you, God. I choose your way instead. At a very, like, basic baby level, right? And, and, and of course, I know life gets complicated and tough. But if we constantly choose Him, we take up our cross daily, we surrender ourselves, deny ourselves, and we choose to follow Him. That's when things start, start changing in our lives. So let's pray. And, and I want to encourage you to, to meditate on this verse as we go through the week. That He must become greater and I must become less. Let's pray. God, we acknowledge that you are great, you are good, you are in control. God, you are all-powerful, you're all-knowing. And God, you you are for us and not against us. And God, you're not someone sitting up there demanding things from us, but God, you are our Father, you are our Shepherd, you are the one who loves us more than we can even imagine. And so God, as we, as we grow, as we walk with you, Father, would you give us a heart that surrenders? Would you give us a heart of daily surrender that, that we choose to deny ourselves no matter how hard it is and we choose you above what we feel above what we want above what we, we think above what we desire so God would you break us so that God we can bring glory to your name in our lives in Jesus name we pray Amen alright see you tomorrow for baptism and next week for cell group